Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series 2 of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach, trainer, consultant, and speaker. I work with corporate sales teams and leaders, along with startup business owners passionate about what they do, but wanting to up their sales game. My main mission is helping us all become more mindful of how we elevate our performance, perspective, and potential. If you want to know more, then look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Hatfield, always happy to chat. So if you're new to Not Another Sales Podcast, here's what to expect. It's aimed at giving you insights into how you can be successful within the world of sales, whether that's your career or your own business. We go deeper into the thought process and mindset needed for success when selling and when running a business, not just the skills and output. So if you're looking for a podcast with a difference that starts with the mind in mind, this is for you. So enough about me, let's get started. On today's episode, I'm joined by board director at Fastly, Lucid, Amperity and Even, lecturer at University of Washington and former executive vice president of sales at Tableau, Kelly Wright. And Kelly and I are going to be talking all about the power of storytelling in sales. Kelly's going to start by sharing her personal story of what she's done in her career so far and what she's learned from it. Some of the main things that have stuck with her for that. We're also going to be exploring why storytelling is so important in the world of sales and and why it helps us communicate so effectively. And also what are the key ingredients that make a good story. Kelly's also going to be sharing her insights on what she feels is evolving in the world of sales along with what is dying off at the same time. And also some key advice for you, the listener, on how you can shape and articulate stories in a more effective way. So whether you're listening to this, you work in the world of sales, marketing, you've just started your business and you want to get a better understanding of how you articulate your story on many different levels from your purpose, your customer and your personal one, then this podcast is definitely for you. I had a lot of fun recording this, so enjoy. Kelly, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me on an episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Excited to be here. Yeah, great. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to getting your insights around the topic that we're going to be talking about today around, you know, the power of storytelling in, in sales. And I think it's, it's only fitting, really, that if this is the topic, it would be great, particularly for listeners tuning in who aren't aware of who you are or the first time coming across you, to give them a bit more of a, an insight into a bit more around your personal story and, and who you are, really. Okay. So what is Kelly's story? What's my personal story? Uh, well, Chris, about sales, one of the first things to to convey is I pretty much have always been in sales since I was a little kid. So mm-hmm. I was the one selling cookies and candy bars. Then I sold shoes at a shoe store in high school. And so I started selling. I just loved being able to talk to different people and do, and do sales. And then when I was in college, I did this weird college career for my four summers in college that I actually worked for this company called the Southwestern Company, where we ran our own business selling educational books door to door. And so over the course of my four summers in college, I probably spoke to about 12,000 different families selling educational books to help the families with reading and kids with school um, over those four years and sold a huge amount of of books. And as I talk about my personal journey, I think it's important to 
to start with this book selling piece because it was a major character building time. So two, mm. uh, two things came out of the book selling. One was I learned that I loved running my own business and I love sales. I just thought it was fascinating to be able to hear all these different people's stories. So thousands and thousands of families, I saw everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that happens in a family's house. But everyone had these interesting stories. And that was what was so fun to tease out is what motivated the kids, what was important to the families. And that was really a baseline for hearing people's stories as a as a base of sales. I think the second piece that happened was if you think about selling something door to door, the door to door salesperson is not usually the most welcome person to come by someone's <laughs> house in a day. I mean, people, yep. yeah, people do not like having door to door people. And so the number of doors that I got slammed in my face, it, it was huge. So if you imagine when I was 18 to 22 years old, carrying a 25 pound book bag in either sweltering heat or pouring rain, going door to door, knocking on doors, people slamming doors in my face, dogs chasing and, and <laughs> nipping at my ankles, uh, police stopping to say, hey, are you illegally soliciting? Why are you here in the neighborhood? We've had some people complain. And you know, you learned how to deal with a huge amount of adversity, but also yeah. a lot of that character building of you got to pick yourself up and go show up at the next door because they want to hear your unique story and you need to hear your story and you can't carry all that baggage. So controlling your attitude, staying motivated, dealing with adversity, and and then just being able to make the best of whatever's happening at the moment were all really foundational pieces. And that was early on. And then I can talk about kind of my path since then, because that was a long time ago, back in my early 20s. Yeah, I think, I think you know, for me, I started out doing store store sales as well. And I think it is a real character building. I did it for two and a half years doing loft and cavity wall insulation and solar panels. And, and you do learn so much about yourself, don't you? And and build that kind of resilience and that determination and that that idea of of what you want to stand for, really, and, and what people are buying into. Uh, actually, absolutely. And so one of the lessons is if you are in sales and you find people who have done door-to-door, when we talk about grit and resiliency and ability to learn and growth mindset and dealing with failure, wow, those people have figured a lot of that out. So they're really <laughs> great people to go try to hire. Uh, but if we, yeah. if, we, if we think about after selling books, you know, that, that really helped forge me on my whole path of I loved selling. I loved being mm -hmm. able to hear stories. I also wanted to have an impact. I had had an impact in those four years with helping families and their kids with their education. And that really led in terms of what I've done. So since then, I sold training at Dale Carnegie Training. I sold mortgages at Bank of America, and then I've sold software. And so my most recent part of my professional career when I was in an operational role was my 12 years that I was at, at Tableau Software. And since Tableau, you know, now I'm doing board work and advising and teaching and all that. Would it be useful for me to tell the Tableau story at all? Yeah, that would be, I mean, any story is welcome on particularly this episode. Okay, perfect. Well, I think for Tableau, the interesting part about Tableau, so I was in software, I had been, I had just taken a slight leave of absence to, for 
after my youngest was born. And then when I decided to go to Tableau, a lot of it came to what Tableau story was. It just really resonated with me. So at Tableau, the whole reason that Tableau had got founded was that the department, United States Department of Defense had gone to Dr. Pat Hanrahan, who was one of our three founders at Tableau. And he was one of the founding employees of Pixar Technology, the movie company. Mm -hmm. And he actually had a couple Academy Awards. If you go to his living room, you can see he has Academy Awards for the work that he had done with digital graphics and visualization. Well, he was approached by the Department of Defense with this question of, hey, Pat, you've done so much in the world of digital graphics. And he taught at Stanford, a highly decorated university professor. You've done so much in the world of academia and in uh, and in Hollywood and with digital graphics. Is there a way that you could help to solve one of the key business problems of the world? And that business problem being, how do people that have a huge amount of data and information help to make better sense of that? And there was a lot having to do with when you think about a picture is worth a thousand words. Again, this comes to a whole story. People can't just look at a huge amount of data and be able to pull out what the meaning of that is. And that's why people use pictures because pictures can convey a story much better. So the idea was, how can you actually put together digital graphics together with stories so people can be able to understand what's happening with a huge amount of data. And I had just been spent time after business school in management consulting at McKinsey and at Bain doing strategic consulting. And it was very frustrating to be able to figure out how to operate those tools. So the Tableau story really, really resonated with me because I felt like I would have been able to do my job as a consultant better. I would have been able to do my job in sales better. And so I ended up joining Tableau at very early on as employee 10. I was the first salesperson. I joined one month before we launched version one. And then I was there for 12 years as a core part of the leadership team uh, as executive vice president of sales. And we grew the company. Again, I started as employee 10 till over that next 12 years. We were about 3,400 employees, roughly about half of those reported into me. And I ran everything that was revenue facing for Tableau. So grew from zero in revenue through the IPO, through all the global expansion um, to about 850 million in revenue. And people know the story now, shortly after I left, uh, then Tableau uh, was purchased by Salesforce for over $15 billion. So that, that was my story there. And after Tableau, then I thought, you know what, I want to continue to be able to help companies build, to be able to help with the building and scaling while focusing on sales and to have a positive impact. And that's advised what I'm doing now in terms of board work, advising. I teach at University of Washington. And then I'm also spending a lot of time on some women on board organization as my philanthropic piece. So there's, there's the Kelly story. Great. Well, it's, you know, it sounds fascinating. And obviously, you know, we, we spoke about it before, but, but hearing all of that is, is, um, is really interesting. And, you know, you've mentioned a couple of sort of chapters, I suppose, in your story so far there, but are there any one or two particular sort of stories that you've experienced that have stuck with you, whether it was when you were selling books on a certain day or the tableau piece that, that have shaped who you are today, do you think? 
Uh, you know, I, I think that the whole, we could go on forever with stories because I talk in stories. That's what this session or this podcast is all about. I, I think that a lot of the most interesting parts of my stories are how I've ended up having these little moments and all of those moments are the things that you remember are when you engage best with a customer, how you engage mm-hmm. with someone on your team, how you have a moment that is special for the company. And there are many, many stories like that in, in Tableau's time. Certainly stories, if I think back to the book selling days and plenty of times now, even when I'm dealing with all all of my individual companies. I mean, I think, I think for me at Tableau, one of the the really interesting pieces was we were growing so fast that each year we would have these annual sales kickoffs and we would have our annual Tableau customer conference. And walking into the room at those various events and each time seeing that the room was filled with it was such a bigger group than the year before. And just the electric energy and the passion and the enthusiasm that was in the room for people to be there and be part of that community, uh, that made all the time, all of the work just so fulfilling to see what a positive impact it was having on the team and the customers and the partners in terms Mm. of building that electric community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, community is something that is so so essential isn't it and what you meant when you went back to what you mentioned earlier sorry kelly around um you know why using visuals and images with stories is so powerful um you know that kind of relates to as you mentioned when you are selling being able to do that why else do you think storytelling is so important in the world of sales when people are working in in that role or they've just started their own business and they're trying to sell the kind of concept or idea behind it Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Chris. You know, people are attracted to stories. They just are. Stories engage people. Stories are what engage other human beings. And they help us to connect. And they actually convey the real message and meaning of what you're saying. And you can see this literally for generations. If you think about how families pass down their own history and tradition, they do that through stories. If you think Mm -hmm. about how lessons are conveyed or even taught to children, they're taught through stories and fables. Think about Aesop's fables. And that's the way that people are trying to have something that lands that's memorable. People can put a whole bunch of words, but people don't necessarily remember. So here here are a couple just specific stories to articulate it. I, I, I speak in story, so it's very appropriate that we're doing a podcast on stories. Yeah. Going back to Tableau, over the course of the 12 years, we had multiple different meetings. So we had company kickoffs. We had sales kickoffs, annual sales kickoffs. We had regional meetings, whatever it may be. And so I was doing keynotes all the time. And in those keynotes, you have to convey a lot of different information. You have to convey what's the sales plan, what's the competition, what are our new processes, what are the different operational efficiencies that we're focused on. You do recognition. There's a whole bunch of stuff that is done in those one-to-many forums. But what, what was really important to me is it was important to integrate some kind of a story. So 
almost at all of those meetings, I would come up with some story to help convey whatever message I was trying to parlay that day. And almost all Mm -hmm. of the time, I took some kind of a family story, something I had done with my kids, a place that we had gone, a lesson of some interaction I had had with my kids or my kids had had with someone else. And the interesting part now is I was at Tableau for 12 years. Now I've been doing other board stuff and teaching for the last three. And when I run into folks at Tableau, oftentimes they'll say, hey, Kelly, I remember when you told us that story about how your son was showing emotion in that movie theater. Or I remember that trip that you took. Or I remember you talked about how your son had this lesson uh, about sales when they were trying to sell something that they had created. And people remember these stories. They land. And that's what people digest Mm -hmm. about. And, And so I think it's really important that you have this messaging where you can have the human connection, you convey the real message, but you also want it to land in a way where people can connect with it and then remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like when, when we were talking about what should we talk about for the episode of storytelling came up like that, this is my jam. Like I love, I love talking about stories and utilizing them because, you know, I think going a bit scientific here, it's, it plays into the primal part of our brain. We've got the primal and rational part and, the primal piece is is all around emotion and it all it's all driven right around emotion and around imagery it's you know the rational part is where we develop language so if we're able to to position that for people like you say it's it's easier for them to remember i mean i often ask people what's their favorite film and you can often remember that all of that if i ask them around a sales meeting three to six months ago <laughs> they find it hard or even the sales meeting yesterday forget the sales yeah, meeting yeah well, exactly <laughs> exactly exactly but it is it's like you say it's being able to connect to something it's either being able to empathize with someone in that story that you can relate to or that you know someone could relate to um and it gives you that kind of journey that beginning middle and end which is what we crave as, as human beings understanding the kind of process and and the plot behind something as well. Yeah. Well, Chris, here's here's a way to even illustrate it more. And maybe all your listeners don't have kids, but uh, you they can use this if they're talking to anyone. It doesn't have to be kids. But I have three kids. And so maybe some people will resonate with this, especially when they were younger. They would come home for school. I'd ask them about their day. Well, what did you do? Nothing. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? <laughs> Nothing. Well, did you have any good interactions with your friends today? No. Well, what did you cover in math or science or reading? Oh, I don't remember. Nothing. And literally that was the way the conversation would often go. And I would talk to my friends and it would be the same thing with their kids. Kids did nothing. They didn't even remember. They could maybe tell you a little bit of a funny story about what happened at recess. But other than that, nothing happened. And so if you change your whole approach and say, well, you know what, if I pummel my kids with questions and, and this, I talk fast, I talk a lot. My kids would say, mom, you're exhausting me. You're just asking me so <laughs> many questions. I, I can't even process it. Stop, stop asking me questions. And so take a different approach. And I'd say, you know what? Would love to hear about your day. Let me tell you about my day. And I'd start. And instead of just telling all the great things that happened to me, oftentimes I would tell a story of like, oh, well, this happened, this happened at work, or I had this interchange, and this is what I learned. Or here was here was a place where I really struggled today, showing some vulnerability, right? Or mm. sometimes uh, 
I had this interaction with someone and they were really nice. Like they totally made my day because they did this thing that was really surprising and it made me feel really good. So showing some emotion, doing, showing myself vulnerable. And then what would happen? They would come back and they would say, oh, well, someone was really nice to you that way. Oh, this really cool thing happened to me at school. Or I, you know, I'd talk about something that I'd struggled. They'd say, oh, you know, at math, we were learning this and it was really hard. And we ended up having some much more meaningful conversations. And why I say that is not only just to convey the power of stories, but think about in the world of business and the world of sales, what we're doing with our customers. This is what we do with them. We pummel them with questions. What's your biggest need? What keeps you awake at night? Tell me about this. Tell me about that. And we're pummeling them with all these questions and they don't know how to come back. And we're not showing vulnerability. We're not starting with the story ourselves. We're asking all these questions and they know we're a salesperson. That's what we're supposed to do. And it shuts them down. And so we end up getting very superficial answers, which are very narrow and we can't actually get to the heart of why are they meeting with us in the first place? Why do they care? What does it matter to their company? And then what does it matter to them individually? And we have to be able to be vulnerable, connect emotionally, and you do that with the power of story. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, and you've kind of alluded to it there, Kelly, around vulnerability and being able to connect with emotion. But what other like key ingredients do you think go into making a great story, whether it's one in sales or just in general? Yeah, well, I think if if we think about it in business, I always talk about that there there's multiple different stories that are important. So first I'll I'll talk about I think there's three stories that people should be thinking about. The first story is being able to really convey the company story, which almost always incorporates the founding story. And if I go back mm-hmm. to that Tableau piece, talked about how Tableau actually got started. It was this mission to help people to see and understand data, to be able to bring to light this whole piece of helping people to understand and interact with their data in a more meaningful way. The second is being able to share customer stories. And oftentimes companies aren't very good with these company stories because they just they they give very specifics about the, what they're using it, but not about in the customer's voice of why it actually matters. And then the third is a personal story, which I've talked about my personal story, how it's often good to be able to talk about your personal story, why you came to the company, like I talked about why I started at Tableau, but then also a little bit about yourself. So I think first is people should be thinking about company story customer story and their own personal story. But I but I think when we go to when when you mention about the ingredients, here's one of the biggest pops around it is oftentimes and this is so true with companies. Companies focus all their energy on talking about the what and the how. Yeah. And it's important to have the what and the how because the what is what you're actually selling, whether it's a service or a product. The how, how are you going to engage with the customer because that's how you're going to help them. But you alluded to this, Chris, a while ago, is people actually 
make emotional decisions. And people want to have the facts. It's very important to have facts and logic so people can be rational. But actually, if you look at the history and all the science behind sales, People like to get their facts, but in the end, they actually make emotional decisions. You have your rational brain and you have your emotional brain. So when people are buying something, they're buying it for an emotional reason, which means that the why is critically important. So you have the how and the what is how most companies focus their messaging and how most salespeople focus a message. But the most compelling is the why. And the why actually really blends well with how you should tell a story because a story is always around around that why. And you know now mm. I think this is so important. This was actually the impetus of the reason why I'm now teaching this go-to-market strategy course. And we could talk about that for a, for a bit as well because companies are often missing this. They're so focused on the what and the how. They miss the most important key ingredient to a story, which is convey the why. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and 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 to to add to that as well, I think particularly in this day and age where the customer can find out so much about the business, it's so important to be able to set yourself apart from other people by being able to convey that that personal story as you mentioned, and also when you're conveying the customer story, is is making the customer the hero of the story. I think sometimes you know we can get stuck in our own heads when we're talking about this and making us seem so great, but. The whole point of you sharing that story is getting the customer to imagine that they're having success from this, not just that you've got success from it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the story has to be focused on where it resonates for the other person, right? And so mm. not a story. Companies are so good at, at kind of beating their chest. These are why we're so great. Well, does the customer care why you, the vendor, are so great? No. The customer cares yeah. why is your product or service going to help me? to achieve my goals. And I also like to think about this as peeling back the onion. And we, we learned in our sales training uh, at, that we've done at, at Tableau, and I'll credit this back to uh, Skip Miller's training because that's what we had used. And he talks about the three levels of why. And many companies, what they do with their sales is they only get to that first level of why. They they get to, why are you here in the meeting? What do you care about? What? Yeah. Why are you engaging with us to understand the what and the how? Then the second level of why is, why is it actually really important to their company or their team? And you're getting at to, why, why do they care? What's the ROI? And good mm-hmm. salespeople often get there, but the great salespeople, they get to that third level of why, which is, what is the individual motivation for the customer? as an individual, not just for their team or their company. Why do they care? Do are they, are they trying to get promoted? Do they really want to show that they can achieve in something? Are they just really passionate about this piece of work? And through story, that's what you can kind of peel back is being able to ask the questions and communicate the story to get to that customer's why. And you're not going to get to that customer's why just with pummeling a whole bunch of what and how questions. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and, and on that level, as you as you mentioned before, that's where you're going to find the real kind of emotion, that kind of fear or that pain or that gain. That's why anyone buys really is to relieve pain or to achieve gain. And what you mentioned earlier is as well about you know with this emotion and, and rational piece is that I heard this uh, saying a few years ago now is that people buy with emotion and defend it with rational thinking. Oh, that's interesting. In the, yeah, like that. 
that when you think about anything that you've bought personally like you'll you'll buy something and then people will go why have you bought that and you'll start defending it rationally going oh well i didn't buy this or i've saved up for this and that when it's actually like no you've you've been driven by emotion but we use rational thinking to kind of defend it so it's the same thing when you are selling to customers is that yes you need to play to both parts you need to find out that emotion piece like you said that why piece um but then also build on top of it as well not neglect the other pieces around that because then they can still defend it to other people and and other people in in the process that they might need to get buy-in from as well yeah the, the, the where you have to have the what and the how the thing is, is i think companies end up over pivoting and spending too much time on all their bullet points and all the facts and the rest and i i spent most of my career at a data company believe me i i'm all about the logic and the facts and the data and the information you have to have that yeah. all really down but i think people spend a bit too or way too little time understanding this whole overarching story arc and this is one thing that i even learned back when i was in consulting where that wasn't in sales is when you're going to go meet with an executive team and have a hundred page deck which now hopefully people are doing the hundred page powerpoint deck anymore but we always were talked about for every slide what's the so what why do people care it's not mm. just what you're conveying what are they taking away? What are they going to remember? What's going to stay with them? And we already talked back at the beginning of the session, Chris, that if you just give people an hour of information, they're not going to remember it. So you want to have those bite-sized chunks of stories so that they land. It's it's really just a better way of communicating. It's not even just it's good for business or it's good for sales tactic. It's actually sales is about communication and conveying your mm -hmm. story and extracting the other person's story so you can see if there's a match there. And the best salespeople are the best communicators. And if you think about the best communicators, they're the best storytellers. If, if you go into mm. a room and you see the person that has everyone is all huddled up and they want to hear their story, uh, it's, it's that's what they're doing. They want to hear their story. They're good storytellers. And those are who people gravitate to and the best salespeople are the best communicators in that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And in in like you say, it's 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 the most authentic form of communication as well, because that's really what we were driven by. Like as we've evolved is that we we always are curious by about stories and and love sharing them as well because we can we can relate so much to them as well. So with with that Kelly, with you know what we've talked around here around sales, I often like to ask as well on, on, on episodes sometimes around what people perceive is evolving in the world of sales and what's moving forward. But I'm curious to get your take on what do you think, I'm not going to hold you to this, don't worry, but what do you think is dying off or beginning to kind of die off because of this evolution? Hopefully the 100-page PowerPoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hope that is. Well, hey, you know, they can all use companies like our vendors like Tableau or others to be able to communicate a lot of information better in a, a fewer amount of pictures and slides. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, uh, interesting, when we think about in the world of sales, what is dying off, uh, I think about it in this whole evolution of what is the actual sales model. And if you think about how people have trained salespeople for years, a lot of that was around building up these long-term relationships, but that was done in an environment where there were very high switching costs. 
all sales was done face to face. People were mm-hmm. buying things on a multi-year basis with millions of dollars instead of being able to pay for things month to month, or especially in technology in a kind of SaaS or cloud model, where it was all subscription-based and it was much more focused on what are you doing for me lately? And so there's this whole old school way of relationship selling, which is taking people out for the dinners, taking them out for all these sporting events, doing it face-to-face in person, very high costs of sales. And all of that is really about building trust and a relationship over an extended period of time. And that people then will buy for you because they like you and they trust you. And relationship building is still critically important, but in this current day and age where it's more about what are you doing for me lately, where switching costs are much lower, where people can do things much quicker and more nimbly, everything's plugged on to different platforms. People don't have to just always buy something that's going to bolt on to this one type of software or one type of platform. Mm-hmm. Then the way of selling has evolved. And I like to think of it as much more in the challenger sale or the storytelling way. It's salespeople now. It's more about thought leadership. How are you helping to lead the customer to where they need to go? How are you helping to paint a picture of to get from here to there where they need to be and to help your customer to think differently? And so a lot of the sales training hasn't really caught up with this new model. I mean, you still have so much sales training around customer-centric selling, solution selling, spin selling, and all these new models, which are these heavy enterprise sales models. And they're important because you can learn a lot with those, but those are really less about telling the story and conveying emotion and being able Mm. to align with the company's mission. It's more about How do you identify all these different customer pains? And then how do you position the vendor's benefits for each of those? Which is very antithetical to what we've just been talking about, which is telling your story in a mission-centric way where you can communicate your mission and values, help to lead the customer to their way of thinking, challenge their perception and and bring them across to challenge the status quo and be able to paint themselves in this new world where they can understand the why. And that's all really more around storytelling and challenger sale than the traditional enterprise selling. Mm, Yeah, I I completely agree with that as well. And I, you know, I I love the book, The Challenger Sale. And I think why it's so beneficial and sort of continuing this theme underlying from stories around emotion is that going back to earlier, why people buy is, is driven by emotion quite often customers will come to places thinking that they think they know what they want, but that's just based off a surface level of, they don't always understand like exactly what their problem is. This is more like, you know, if you imagine it like an iceberg, you've got your likes, wants and needs on top, but you've got your, your fear and your pain underneath. And this is why it's good. Like you say, to have that approach of challenging it because some people will just have this perception of what everyone else in the market is doing this. So this is what I need. Or I had a friend or a colleague or a, a referral do exactly the same thing so this is what i need and it's you know it's it's about coming in like you say and, and challenging that and, and getting to the bottom of exactly what they what they want and what they what is really going to benefit them beyond just what they think they need and i had a guest on my first series john barrows who you're probably yeah. familiar with he did training um, at tableau too john said 
Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, John said something to me, which is really stuck. He said, you know, whenever he gets off a call, he would hypothetically would never ask this, but he would always want the answer to be yes. Would that customer have paid for that call? Regardless if there's a deal involved or anything, would they have paid for it? And, and the point of that is, have you given them some insight or challenged their thinking to make them think, well, actually, do you know what? That was really beneficial. That sort of shifted my my thought process about what was actually going to benefit me. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, sales has become much more about where, how are you leading the customer? How are you teaching them? How are you helping them to think bigger? Less about how you're just pushing your wares. And oftentimes mm. the, the buyer, the customer wants to be working with vendors who are going to help them on their journey to help them to be better, not just pushing their stuff at them. And so that is a great way to look at is what are you going to bring to that sales call where you're going to make sure at the end of the meeting that the customer or prospect has actually learned something, regardless if they use your product or not. What have they learned? How have you challenged their way of thinking? How have they grown and developed and thought differently? And that's what I think the great salespeople do. I think on a, on a, a segment sale related to that, is you know in this in this current stage that I'm at now, over the last three years, where I'm now a board director on four technology companies, I do advising and I teach go to market strategy. I want to spend a moment just on this whole go to market strategy piece. Part of the reason mm -hmm. I teach this go to market strategy is in the last few years, I have met with tons and tons of companies, sales leaders, executives, founders, CEOs. In fact, I've met with about. 80 different CEOs of different companies from just inception to large public companies. And I see a pretty consistent trend. And this trend was the impetus for me starting the go-to-market strategy course, where oftentimes people will come to me and say, hey, Kelly, do you have any advice in terms of building a sales organization or scaling, or how do we do growth, or how should we be thinking about enterprise selling, or a bifurcated sales model, or global expansion, whatever it is. Take whatever it is. And they want to have these very specific operational pieces where they can just go get things done. But if you roll, if you figure out what is really happening, they have their product, they've thrown the product over the fence to the sales team, and then they're wondering why something's not landing. Like, why is the sales team not selling what we gave them? And if you actually figure out what's happening, oftentimes there isn't a holistic go-to-market strategy. They have a whole bunch of features functions. They're very clear in the what and the how. But the whole umbrella overarching go-to-market story, it comes back to story again, is not clear. So what is that story? Well, it starts with the company's mission. What is the mission and vision? What is the company about? Why does the company exist in the first place? Two, the company values. What are the values that are important to the company in terms of how they hire employees? What is their company culture? What are the values that are important with how they interact with their customers and their community? And then three, how did they incorporate that mission, vision, values, or those things into the way they're telling their story, which again, starts with this founding story and the why for why they even exist. 
Once you have all that, mm. then you come up, well, what are your differentiated values? Not just the, here are the three things that we do, but why are they differentiated from everyone else that's out there? Companies often are very good at talking about their value propositions, but I could go take those five and look at anyone else in this space and every other website has those five. So they're not differentiated at all. And the way you differentiate them is those differentiated value propositions. Of course, they're tied back to your product and how you do business, but it really is tied back to your mission, vision, value story. How is that all different? So you take this overarching level of mission, vision, values, your story, and your differentiated value propositions. And then how do you package that up in a way where you can communicate them to your ideal customer profile, because you have to know who that is too. So you're packaging up the story so it matters to those who really care about it. And so why I teach this course, I teach this course to executive, there's an exec ed course, as well as to MBAs at the business school, is because it's it doesn't really make sense to start thinking about all these different sales operational processes unless you have a holistic overarching go-to-market strategy where the whole executive team, the product team, marketing, sales, all of that's aligned with where you're going. Because if you don't all know where you're going and your North Star, then people are going to be driving in all different directions. It's like I could tell people, hey, we're going to all meet in this city for a vacation or a meeting or whatever it might be. People might have different ways yeah. to fly and drive to that meeting, but they're all going to the same place. But what happens in a lot of companies is they take these little ingredients, they throw it over the fence, and everyone's driving to a different destination. So, of course, everyone's getting confused. So I do think it's really important to have this go-to-market strategy. And this go-to-market strategy does come back to what's the company so what? What is the story that then pops? And so the company will be consistent on that. And then each individual salesperson can kind of make it them their own, insert their authentic self to tell the same story. But there's going to be a lot of consistency with the story. And companies often miss that, which seems so basic. But they do miss it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there's some great, great advice there. And it kind of lends into, I suppose, what I was going to ask you next is, um, aside from that, which is some really good insights for for every level of people listening to this, but what other advice, or maybe to summarize some of the points you've been talking about for people listening to this, would you give for them on shaping and articulating the stories that they use when selling to ensure that they're they're effective, rather than just thinking, "I'm going to tell a story and it's gonna it's gonna work." It's gonna be <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there there's <laughs> thinking behind the story. It's it's just like when people uh, <laughs> if you think about the best brands out there. And you look at those that are actually very well known, you know, think about an Apple or a Nike, where everyone knows the brand, they are very, very focused mm -hmm. back to staying on story and staying on message, and they tie yeah. it back to their mission. And so I would say a few actionable takeaways. One is for your company, if you were to go ask everyone on the executive and leadership team, or if you're going to go ask all the salespeople and you ask them, what are the, what is the mission of the company? What are, what's our, why is everyone going to be able to answer mm -hmm. that? And is everyone going to be able to answer with the same thing? If that's not the case, then you have some work to do there because 
regardless of what all the little bullet points are that you're selling, if everyone's not selling the same holistic piece of the mission and the final destination and the North Star, then then the customers and your team is going to get very confused. So that's kind of first actionable takeaway. I think second is you have to be pretty intentional about this. Like for instance, at uh, both when we were at Tableau and I recommend for other companies now in my advising is there's a whole bunch of things that you could do in sales enablement and with training and for company, even if you're thinking outside just sales and marketing. And we talked about all those different enterprise sales and there's all the operational pieces and all the software you use. But we actually did this communication training and it, it was quite fascinating because sometimes people thought we were crazy. Why are you spending so much money to put everyone through storytelling training instead of putting them through traditional mm. enterprise software selling? And we had really incredible results. What we talked about is a lot of what is, how do you actually convey stories? And in conveying stories, we talked about how you need to build vulnerability. We watched Brene Brown's vulnerability videos. We watched and talked about Simon Sinek's The Importance of Why. Those are great TED Talks for people to watch if they haven't, Simon Sinek's and Brene Brown. We talked about how you have to be vulnerable to tell your own personal story and be able to think about telling the company story, the customer story, your own personal story. And the interesting thing is, although people thought it was super uncomfortable, why am I going to a sales training and trying to be vulnerable with my own personal story? It goes back to teaching people how to uncover those levels of why. And this and the results that ended mm. up happening were pretty mind-blowing. It didn't only help with customers and with our messaging, it helped with internal teams, how people were able to communicate with their manager or their direct boss, with their peers, with their direct reports. But the most profound piece was even though this was training to help people in a work environment, people came back and said their most profound impact was actually helping them as individuals in their personal life because now they were communicating better with their significant others, with their friends, with their children. And it really, really helped with communicating. And I think that this is important is thinking about for your teams and for yourself and for your company, how are you helping people to just be better communicators? Because the best salespeople are the best communicators and the best storytellers. Uh, so I think one, the first would be staying on mission. The second is how are you really helping people and yourself to be a much better communicator? And communicate in a good, effective mm. way. And store it'll all come back to stories because the best communicators, as I've mentioned before, are the best storytellers. Mm, definitely, definitely. When I when I, what I've started doing now, actually, related to that, when I go to networking events, for example, and the cliche question is, "What do you do?" I, I often stop people and say, "I'll start with why I do what I do first of all," and I'll even flip it to people as well and say, "Don't tell me what you do, but why do you do what you do?" Because like you say, it's far more memorable if you're telling that story, but also if someone's sharing that with you, you can get a, a real kind of understanding and better connection with someone that, that can lead to, you know, it might be working with them, it might be a customer of yours, or if they're a customer of yours, whatever it might look like, but it, it's just a better way to understand someone. Yeah, and, and Chris, it, it even comes back to when we were talking about this podcast, and I had asked you, why do you do the podcast? 
And one of the things that you said mm. was that you loved doing podcasts because you got to hear from all these interesting people and hearing their stories and their journeys. And it helped you to learn so much and see the world in a different light. And so it's, it's mm -hmm. what fuels what people do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Kelly, you know, it's been a, it's a real pleasure today and thank you so much for, for sharing all, all of your stories and your insights. And, you know, I've, I've, you just alluded to there. I've learned a lot listening. Oh, to you. thank you. It's been so fun uh, having this conversation with you. This is not the topic that I've ever done before on any podcast of stories, uh, but it, <laughs> it, it's it's very appropriate for talking to the world of salespeople for a podcast that's not just another sales podcast of doing it a slightly different way and being able to to tease out why you, Chris, are good at what you're doing by hearing all these people that approach sales in a slightly different approach. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, definitely. definitely. You're welcome. It's It's been a real pleasure, as I mentioned. And for people tuning in, Kelly, who I mentioned at the start, might be the first time coming across you. What's the best way for them to, to follow what you're doing and find out a bit more about some of the things you spoke about? Yeah, probably the best thing to do is to follow me on LinkedIn. As you can find me at Kelly Breslin, right? And you'll, I'll probably be tagged, I assume, in, in this podcast. So you can find me there. And I post things frequently. For those of you who are sales leaders, I do do this executive education two-day seminar. So would love to see some of you from around the world at that seminar in Seattle, University of Washington. Might want to wait until after after things get a little bit more safe here in, in the Seattle world. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but would love to see you. And uh, yeah, follow me on LinkedIn is probably the best place. Great. Well, thank you again, Kelly. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Okay. I will catch thank you, you. Hey people, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to find out more and connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Hatfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, or on my website, www.notanothersalesguy.com. That's www.notanothersalesguy.com. Stay tuned in future for some courses and free content on there as well. But for now, have a good one and I'll catch you soon.